for example if we take the physical yagna which is to be performed there has to be a yagna kunda now it is we don't have a yagna kunda but we have a portable one a portable one which the priest usually carries so there is a copper kind of a thing and the priest also is smart enough he puts a aluminum foil inside just to make sure that he can take away the remains after the yagna is done outside and take his portable one back along with him usually it is to be made with bricks so one has to know the art of building the yagna kunda it has to be at a certain parameters for those yagnas which have to be performed for 41 days at a stretch the structure that requires wherein you can put enough log that you come back next day and the fire is still there and you should know what kind of firewood to be used if you use firewood like the people uh, you know branches or the people tree uh, it will burn immediately as much as you add it will burn immediately it's a light wood you need to add there something which is dense so there is a method to this madness so you have to know how big the hole has to be how big the havan kunda has to be how many bricks have to be there so there is one particular person who is in charge of building the yagna kunda there is one who is in charge of getting all the procurements in today's world when we offer yagna any wood that we get in the name of firewood we just keep adding it but there is a specification as to what kind of firewood has to be added in because there are different kinds of firewoods which give different kinds of flames and what kind of flame has to be invoked also is very specific so there are various kinds of flames like for example kali karali manojava there are the names of the flames you know when you burn certain things it gives a in chemistry lab we used to do this experiments with chemicals bunsen burner so in that bunsen burner you take uh, you know sodium chloride it will give certain kind of flame magnesium it will give a different kind of flame uh, you know potassium it will give a different kind of flame so each one has a different kind of flame so the color of the flame the smoky or non smoky one it is very specific so here to get gather the procure the firewood and all the other basic required ingredients then just having this and uh, you know the main karta the yagna karta yajaman and the yajaman also has to be very specific whatever is the yagna being performed the yajaman has to be qualified for it for example 
Dasharatha performed some yagna which gave him four kids. And that yagna was called Putra Kameshti Yagna or Putreshti. Putra Kameshti or Putreshti Yagna. And for performing that, you need to be a grihastha, you need to have wife. If as a sannyasi I call in, uh, you know, I want to perform putra kameshti. Those pandita will you know, kick me out. You are a sannyasi. You are not supposed to perform this putra kameshti. Putra kameshti has to be performed by a grihastha. So there is a qualification. And that the yajaman and the yajaman's uh, dharma patni, everybody should be ready, available. Then the muhurta has to be fixed. Then there has to be you know, five main pujaris. In today's world, we, you know, even to get one who does it in a systematic order, uh, does it, uh, you know, according to the orthodox nature, you find them very rarely. To find five of them, wherein one is the one who is an expert in all four Vedas. Not just that he is an expert in all four Vedas, he is also expert in performing what ritual at what time. He knows the entire intricate details of the Mimamsa. Then he has four working under him. All four, five of them may be extremely qualified. But you know, there is one who takes the higher seat and then under his direction there are those who know the Rig Veda, those who know the Yajur Veda, those who know the both parts of Yajur Veda, Shukla Yajur Veda and Krishna Yajur Veda, then those who know Sama Veda, then the Atharva Veda. Now as the, the Havan has to be performed, which mantra is from what you know, Veda, the main person, he is called Brahma. The, the five, you know, there is that Brahma. He will say, Atharva Veda, you know, if this particular mantra has to be chanted from Atharva Veda and that Atharva uh, mantra has to be chanted, so he will give Atharva Veda, you know, second Samhita, fourth chapter, you know, fifth mantra through the tenth mantra. The Atharva Veda cannot, you know, go into the iPad and, you know, suddenly start flipping the pages, it has to be on the fingertips. Start chanting the, you know, Ganesha Atharva Sirsha. Immediately, Om Bhadram Karne Vishrunyama Devaha Bhadram Pashye Makshabhir Yatraha. And you should be able to start. As soon as that mantra is done, then say, Now do the Swaha, do this Tarpana for, or do this Arpana for. All this is to be understood. There are certain mantras wherein with a minute detail of difference they seem to be repetitive. Like in Purusha Sukta it says Nanya Panthayanaya Vidyate So Nanya Panthayanaya Vidyate and uh, there is one more sentence it is simple difference and between that if you don't know the difference you will keep going in a loop. So you should be very, very conscious while you are chanting it. And all these people should put in their, pitch in their efforts 
And while this is happening, there should be somebody who is working in the kitchen to make the naivedya and prasada. There is somebody who should take care of the guests, to usher them and to take care of them. This is a complete schematics wherein all these various people come together to put that effort. Then there is yagna, even the physical one. Similarly, what does yagna mean? Gurudev very beautifully explains in the second and third chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He calls it as yagna bhava karma. That I am not an individual who is living in a vacuum in this creation, but I am a part and parcel of this entire creation. So I am not independent, I am interdependent. Today if we are sitting here, there are so many aspects coming from various corners of this creation, which when happens in its due course, I am able to have this experience of this moment. How many of you had a, a little snack or something before or even dinner before coming here? A snack or a dinner? Dinner? Snack. So what happens when you have it between lunch and dinner? Dinner? Like they say brunch, right? They call it supper maybe. So you had so to have that food. I don't know where those, where that rice was cooked, where the rice was grown, the uh, wheat was grown, who powdered it and who transported it and finally came to the grocery store and from there, you know, it reached our house. There's so many people that have to put in that effort to just get that morsel into my mouth. So though we may say, uh, it's all because I have earned it through my hard-earned money. You may earn your hard-earned money, but that person has to put the right amount of effort to bring this kind of food that it, it comes in this format for us. Now you may look at the table and again uh, go uh, crazy saying that, you know, uh, Again, Dao, I've heard many kids, uh, again, Dao, they don't mean uh, a Barbie doll there, they're talking about Dal, Dal and Chawal. Again, the same thing, and if they don't like, they start making it. It is spicy. I have not added any spice. I don't know, it is spicy. And on the side they'll eat all the pickle and achar and everything, that they'll eat. But this is spicy, right? And you understand from where you know, different people are putting effort now for this experience to happen. There's so many people who are working in the background. There's so many people working in the foreground. You now we have this comfort zone wherein you, know, you and I can come and sit in this beautifully arranged environment to have a dialogue on Vishnu Sahasranam. To have this as a possibility, the seed was sown by you know, Swami Chinmayananji and the seed in his head was sown by Shivananji and Tapon Maharaj and then 
that wave of chinmay mission started and we have here a possibility of sharing and having this wisdom about vishnu sahasranam so whenever we are you know interacting with this world we have to change our concept change our thinking that it is not just me who is but it is an interdependent world that i am offering what i am best at and what the world is around me is best at and what i should be gaining from there that is given unto me as a result of my actions so yagna bhava karma is when all of us can come together understand what best that we can do and that best is offered to the highest cause of togetherness and that when you know together brought whatever are the results equally that which we, which is um, directly proportional to the effort that we have put gets distributed and whatever i have gotten out of that i give to those people who cannot put this effort or cannot reach out and do to such people i reach out and serve all this whole thing put together is called yagna bhava karma not understanding this there is the heights of apathy in hindus because half baked theory they just listen to one particular part which they like they pick they cut and paste it in their life and they say oh hinduism is a way of life which means you can do whatever you feel like doing and you can call it hinduism and then when you question their methods oh hinduism is not very specific about it how much more specific can it get yagna bhava karma it is your responsibility to reach out and give your best to the world that is a act of dedication that every one of us has to perform so when in that spirit all that goodness comes together in bhagavad gita it comes yagnyat bhavati parjanya that when that effort is put there is parjanya parjanya rains when such effort of togetherness comes together then there is the rains of opportunities which will benefit the entire you know human system or entire cosmos such should be the focus of putting the effort where instead now it has become i me mine at the most i can expand is my spouse my children sometimes i cannot even accept parents and in-laws also maybe i become so what do you call that ha sub nuclear families anybody coming in and uh, oh, i need my space shoot them out into the space take as much space as you want you are not independent you are interdependent and when that spirit is kindled within then 
Lord Vishnu, Paramatma himself, is appearing in that act of togetherness. Yajna Bhava Karma. Now such Bhava, when it is performed, it is called Karma Yoga Siddhanta. Because it's an art of complete dedication to the highest altar, it's done selflessly. You know, many people say, oh my husband is a karma yogi. Why? Because he goes to the job and he never takes care of anything else other than his job. When he dedicates his life there, it makes him a karma bhogi. Not a karma yogi. Because that karma has to be offered in a sense of balanced offering to a highest altar. And it has to be done selflessly. That is when it makes it karma yoga. And such karma yoga, when it appears, Bhagavan Vishnu is appearing in one in such individual's heart. Yajnaha. Ijyaha and Mahejyaha. Ijyaha and Mahejyaha are various objects of sacrifice. That which you offer into the Yajna. So what you end up offering into the Yajna? There is a story. There was a king. And they were just getting out of a severe battle with the neighboring uh, kingdoms and just gotten re-established, gotten the authority and you know, after a long strike. Then they said, we should celebrate this. On such and such a day, you know, two weeks from now, we will have uh, amazing puja for our uh, you know, seeking the blessings of the Lord and that day we will have that day early morning when you come to the puja, everybody bring you know, one bottle of or one gallon of milk or yogurt. The actual story is wine, but you are talking something about divine, so I didn't want to take. So, let's say chars or the lassi, one gallon of lassi. So everybody was conveniently smart. So everybody thought uh, the entire population brings lassi. Me adding one gallon of water in there, it will not actually be noticed. It is lassi anyway. And uh, you add water anyway in there. Uh, some people will bring it thick, some people may bring it thin. I'll take directly water, it will thin out in even things. So as the festival was done and uh, you know the tanks were filled and uh, said, for everybody who has come, please go and share. So they all opened the taps and everybody got water. This is not fair. The thing is, whatever is your input in there, that is exactly what you get back. 
you cannot complain that you know why is it that the other person is cherishing it none of your business life gives back only that which we invest in it is directly proportional sometimes it is good to hear back from our own students you know after they graduate and go so there was this there is this kid and this kid is a lawyer so he is now settled he is working in a da's office or something like that so i asked him uh, when he was still searching for a job this this market for lawyers is saturated there is no job openings what about the other guy you know he was your classmate he was also trying to but you know he went into yale and then he did his masters from harvard and uh, you know then he has gone for his research in oxford another one after he is like talking of big big colleges so he is in Ox oxford i said he is finished his uh, research as well and directly from his research he has been given a job in you know such a firm as a legal advisor he is hardly what 26 28 and he is already a legal advisor for a big firm and uh, the, the friend now he is also 26 20 27 and uh, where are you i'm i just got a break through and i'm working for a da's office so i just looked at and i was thinking both of them have got the same kinds of opportunity growing up the one becomes a legal advisor for a big company and the other one lands up being a da's office so these were the thoughts going in my head so that kid not a kid anymore Uh, he says but you know swamiji you could see the difference between his efforts and my efforts mine was i did not realize that i would become a lawyer until i graduated from my undergrad you know my second year or so in undergrad is when i decided that i would take to becoming a lawyer whereas he almost had decided about becoming a lawyer by the time he was in um you know he was in 8th 9th grade he had uh, decided that he he would still come party with us or go for movies with us and other things but he was not overly extrovert he would focus on things at right time whereas i however i was informed by my parents and well wishers i took life at a different spirit and no wonder he he gave into life and he got back that which he had put forth earnestly and i think i also got what i put forth uh, you know in that particular time frame but at least now i have realized that you know gone is gone i cannot do much about that but all that i can do right now is moving forward if i give if i put in the best and in order to give that best the readiness to sacrifice 
should be there. Sacrifice what? Sacrifice little pleasures of life. That which is enticing. If that understanding is not there, then nothing big can be achieved. It is okay for someone who does not want to achieve big, or settles down with a small job and is very content with it. There is no problem. But wherever we land, are we content with it? Usually not. We get bugged, we get, uh, you know, nothing is going right in my life. Because you have not invested right into your life. You invest right and you get back. So you should be ready to sacrifice. Ijjaha Mahejjaha. That which you need to sacrifice into this ahuti of the life, of the yajna of the life. So when there is a proper alignment of priorities, and there is again this story, the story of priorities. I usually tell these to the high schoolers, graduates. I probably will repeat the same story in another couple of weeks, graduation. So the priorities in life, and there is this experiment where we put golf balls into a glass jar and then take small size pebbles throw them in you know shake the jar while you are putting these and let it settle in then take dry sand add it inside do you think the jar is full now not completely take couple of coke cans empty them in. You empty them in. Make a mark as to how much, how many golf balls, how many, uh, how much of pebbles and how much sand and how much of coke has been put in. Now reverse the order. Same amount of coke added in first. The point I'm trying to make is when you reverse the order, the number of last golf balls that have to go in that you can fit in will be way less than what you could fit if the priorities were right, if the order in which it would go in were right. So you add coke first and then sand in the pebbles, you would be surprised that the number of golf balls that will actually go in is somewhere about 30 to 40 percent. 60 percent is staying outside. So in order to find the right priority and add the right thing at the right time, but then our things are, you know, partying, goofing off, that becomes a priority. The main golf balls, they, they, they don't get any priority. So to understand that priority and when that clarity sets in, understand 
that the seekerhood is born because the Lord is appearing in the form of that courage to make these sacrifices. Ijyaha Mahejyaha Kratuhu She is trying to say that the entire process of you know the ability to do something in a positive, constructive, productive manner, everything that gets involved in there is nothing but the Lord's So Kratuhu, Kratuhu, that uh, sacrificial post where all the sacrifices are offered at. Kratuhu. Satram. Satram. There are sometimes these yagnas have to be performed. These yagnas have to be performed not for a day, not for two days. Satram. Dirgha Kala. Dirgha Kala for a long time to come. The Satra Yaga usually is for 41 days. So in the Rig Veda, there is a reference. A reference of some Surya Upasana. And you have to perform this Yaga where the sun does not set for continuous of 41 days. Exactly 41 days. Do you know where the sun doesn't set at all? In a year? In the Arctic Circle. So my take on it is that our ancestors were quite an explorer. And they must have definitely gone to the Arctic Circle and performed this Yaga for 41 days up there where the sun does not set at all. So the long term you know, effort that has to be put. So here Kratuhu, the Satram means the tenacity that is required to not give up and keep trying until you reach to that goal. Otherwise there are so many tricks our mind plays wherein in between we so easily give up, we so easily give in that we don't think of further growth or improvement in oneself. That tenacity that is required to constantly be at it. Be at it so that you can achieve that goal. And here what is the goal that we are setting? The highest goal. Now what is the highest goal? To have that darshan of that Paramatma, Atma darshana. So, Kratuhu Satram. Satam Gatihi. Does those people who are Satam, Mumukshunam, Nanya Gatihi Giti, Satam Gatihi? Satam. Does who have tightened their belts, taken up 
the right attitude to execute their actions and focus with the right amount of uh, tenacity that sometimes when you overdo you can even break yourself so understand how much to be applied and keep at it constantly without giving up to such steadfast ones the absolute abode is the lord alone satam gatihi reading this particular sentence is like giving us uh, insurance that if your effort is in the right direction you will reach to that goal sooner than what you have expected all that we need is to start putting that effort in that right direction satam gatihi क्रतुसत्र मूविंग फॉरवर्ड सर्वदर्शी विमुक्तात्मा सर्वज्ञानमुक्तम सर्व सर्वदर्शी सर्वदर्शी द वन हू सीज एवरीथिंग द वन हू परवेड्स एवरीथिंग द With, you you cannot hide from many times what we do or what we are in front of people and what we are in front of when there is nobody observing the two different personalities i have to understand it in the hard way that when people come and speak to a person of authority in my case you know, when i am running the the mission center i become the person of authority so when they come to tell things and the way they interact that is one nature and the way they behave or interact with the rest of the world is totally different so what gets said what gets you know, we have different shades the way we act behave and interact with the world there is one person who is observing us constantly and who is that sarvadarshi nothing can be hidden from him he makes a note of every simple to complicated detail that we have in our life once <clears throat> the story is attributed to couple of mahatmas one of the most often repeated ones is um the vishishtadvaita guru ramanujam so the story goes that you know the guru gave a simple task he gave them one fruit each then 
go eat it somewhere where nobody will observe you somebody went under the bed somebody went into the bathroom somebody went on to the tower somebody went into the dungeons so they found each one found a empty spot and finished their fruit and came back successfully to the class and there was this kid he came to the class with the fruit in his hand everybody laughed at him. So the guru looked at him and asked, "What happened?" It was a simple task. Don't you do this much? So the student said, "I tried. I really tried hard. But wherever I sat down to eat, where I knew there was nobody else, my heart was saying that the God was seeing me anywhere that I would go. So there is absolutely not a single place in this world." wherein i could hide from therefore sarvadarshi recognize that the lord observes not just the external expression of actions but he observes us minutely from our intentions as well. and then don't suddenly panic and complain that this is not fair externally we may be acting out to do something great and noble but internally our intentions are not pure do you think that act is really a great act to be done and he is observing it. and he is making note of every minute detail and when it dishes out as our experiences don't you dare complain and blame the lord saying nothing is right in your creation why this unfairness that i should face there is nothing unfair about the actions that we go because he has noted down every minute sarvadarshi so he perceives through his wisdom all actions good bad indifferent ugly everything sarvadarshi even if this concept sinks in directly into my heart would i ever do anything which will hurt in thought word or deed any other being in this creation would i even be able to entertain something called as a bad thought or as a evil thought against anybody why the lord is observing
can you imagine the amount of change that comes into that individual's life even when there is a situation when people would say why don't you jump in and join us do this thank you i am fine i don't need to be doing just to be a part of this entire thing that you are in because my lord is observing such a change dramatic change that can happen if even this point sinks into our heart sarvadarshi vimuktaatma a very beautiful word he is ever liberated the lord is ever liberated so when in lot of angst we question why did rama do this why did krishna do this he is the paramatma for this entire creation it is his world his creation and when it is his creation do we have any right what you do in your house privacy of your house can anybody question i will do whatever i feel like in the privacy of my house right this is entire creation is his house and we have the audacity to question how can he do this why does it not bind him he is ever liberated nothing of this material world can ever bind him. this is one level of meaning the second level of meaning he is ever liberated which means what what is it that is ever liberated now when you look at it from the standpoint of paramatma he is ever liberated and this entire creation is his expansion can there be anything binding anything that can bind that paramatma tatva no but if we individuals at our individualistic standpoint feel lot of you know binding and bondage and uh, uh, burden where is that bondage and burden coming from it can definitely not be paramatma and there is nothing other than paramatma existing so what is this ego and its uh, turbulence ego and turbulence what what exactly is it then only paramatma exists and paramatma alone is real and he is ever free 
and ego is the one who feels this bondage and feels uh, turbulent always so what is the existence of this ego illusory that is the only logic that fits therefore adi shankaracharya ji in many of his works he constantly keeps saying that uh, why is this maya it is illusory that which is ever free cannot be bound appears to be bound now who is exactly bound here paramatma cannot be bound right jivatma is only a reflected consciousness ego seems to be bound and what is the existence of that ego illusion <coughs> even if an ounce of this logic settles into our thinking i am hurt the world around me hurts me i have to take a revenge against this world these are all cheap talk why the one who is hurt in first place is an illusion did you understand the first part the depth of the statement vimuktaatma sarvadarshi vimukta vimuktaatma sarvagnyah sarvagnyah the one who is all knowing what does this all knowing principle mean <coughs> if on your on your skin anywhere on your skin head to toe as small as even an ant or something smaller than that crawls would you know how come such vast body and such small tiny little thing it usually happens when i go out early morning to jog and then usually the early morning as you go there are these tiny spider uh, strings that are across the trees or some and it suddenly hits your face and sometimes by mistake even the the little spider they also start you know you start jogging and then uh, somewhere down you something you stop and then you uh, try to uh it was yeah brush it off and and then finally you take it and you see that there was a spider or uh, in india it used to happen there this small little once when you are driving in the car you don't see it oh you do see it you know it gets stuck to the windshield that's very tiny and it comes almost I am I am still are surprised it comes close to the eyes okay 
and the eyes can perceive it. It suddenly it 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 ducks. Why it 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 can feel. Anywhere head to toe, you know. Similarly, this entire creation is his expansion. As this body is my physical expansion, this entire creation is his expansion. Would he not know all the details? Now, would anything happen without his permission? Can anything happen without his permission? Once I was with a great Mahatma, it was a very amazing perspective to look at life the way he put it. It changed many, many ways of looking at life. So he was having, <coughs> he was having this satsanga, and uh, there were. These people with the Hindu organizations, the pro-Hindu organizations, not the spiritual organizations. So they came to meet him and did namaskar, chamatkar, everything done, and then they said, Mahatma Ji, if if you could say in your, you know, in your uh, pravachan once. That you know, when you join as a Hindu force and uh, stand up against all these uh, conversions and uh, you know, people insurging and a lot of commotion that is happening. So the Mahatma heard it all and then he looked at that person very challengingly. He called on him and he said, "Do you have any guarantee that next life you will be born in India and as a Hindu?" What if next birth you are born as a Chinese or a, you know as a Muslim or across the border Pakistan or as a Christian missionary or somebody? You would be the one exactly doing what you are opposing in this life. What that Mahatma ended up saying was amazing. He said. Don't come to me with this cheap talk. Come to me if you are serious about uh, you know, Atma Tattva and realization. Because you very rarely get human birth. And that human birth you don't need to waste on such things. Focus on realizing. That made so much sense. And all that animosity and bitterness, as if something. Instead, go help the fellow Hindus to live as a decent human being. Instead of trying to cry foul about something else, do something positive rather than being bitter. And he knows. 
his creation and therefore he is called Sarvajna. Vimuktatma Sarvajnaha Jnanam Uttamam and realizing his true nature is Uttama Jnana. Uttama Jnana, the most or the best Jnana. And the amazing thing is, you read chemistry, at the most you will become a chemist. You read about uh, biology, you become what do you call biologist. You read about botany, you become botanist. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes, like you cook and you don't become a cooker. I'm a little. You read, you you research into math and you become. Mathematician. You don't call them mathists, right? Mathematician. But you understand this Atma Tattva, Brahma Tattva. You don't just become a Vedantin, but you become Brahman itself. It is not just to become a Vedantin, the one who understands Vedanta and keeps barking about it. But you become that very Brahman. Therefore, this Jnana is the most Uttama Jnana. And what does being Brahman mean? Just to make it into a uh, understandable literature, understandable language or vocabulary. You get liberated from all those constraints that block you from being naturally happy. In recent course, in one of my recent trips, as soon as I mentioned that you know, being happy and transcending the ego and egocentric desires is the focal point of spirituality in Hinduism. So the professor who was listening, he was the professor of uh, philosophy. He said uh, that is the most selfish thing. Therefore Hinduism is the most selfish religion. Because you focus only on the self-realization and you don't have, your religion does not contribute on a compassionate note, does not serve went on. The one who is happy, truly happy, alone can serve beyond a hidden agenda. The rest of us, in gaining that happiness, we have certain hidden agendas why we show our compassion or do our service. The one who is truly happy and that happiness which is with oneness with the entire creation, that you have become one with the entire creation, 
and the creation has become one with you. Wherever there is injustice, wherever there is need, you would jump in there to serve the cause so that everybody can be happy. Because every aspect of this creation is your own expansion. Therefore, such person would serve, not because it is service to a Christian or service to a Muslim, but service to the entire creation and not limited only to a human being, to the entire creation, that service is the ultimate service of or the expression of that Paramatma in the name of service. That will be a true service. That would be a true compassion expressed out into this world. Sarvadarshi Vimukh Thank you. 